When she was young, she had great hopes and dreams. She had beauty. She had position. She was engaged to marry a great man, a priest. A man she knew loved her. Now she would have great respect in the community. And she would be secure. Priest jobs were guaranteed. True, the times had changed. And now the priests had to have another source of income to go with that of their jobs. But as the time they needed to spend as a priest was also greatly reduced, that presented no real problem. Besides, her new husband would inherit a wonderful farm. And what a beautiful place. A great place to watch children run and play. To hear their voices echo in laughter. And one day, those children would help with the farm. And later, they'd care for their parents, just as she and her husband cared for his. Yes, they too would grow old together in the comfort and care of their children and their children's children. But there were no children. And Elizabeth prayed. She and Zachariah prayed fervently. For the first few years, everyone's said, just wait, be patient. Elizabeth and Zechariah prayed. After five years, no one said anything while Elizabeth and Zechariah prayed. By the tenth year, everyone wanted to talk about Samson's mother's prayers. And Rachel or Rebecca, they often spoke of the wonder of the faith of Hannah. After all, Elizabeth, too, was a godly woman. Zechariah loved her like Isaac, and Jacob loved Rachel and Rebekah like Elkanah loved Hannah. Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth was wise, so all the other women came to her with their problems. Questions about their faith, questions about their husbands, problems with their children. And for a long time, in their gratitude, they would talk to her about Sarah. Another great woman of God, they'd say, Elizabeth, you are as good a person as Sarah. And Zachariah is such a good man. Abraham prayed for a son and God answered him. Zachariah prays for a son and we're sure God will bless you with a child. I mean, Sarah was past the age of childbearing. It'll be all right, Elizabeth. But it had been years since anyone had even mentioned Sarah. And there were no children. And Elizabeth and Zachariah still prayed. How do you believe when there is nothing to believe in? <laughs> Let's join Luke as he picks up the story of this couple that needed to believe when there was nothing tangible to confirm their belief. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. 
Can you hear the pathos in this brief description? You can just feel their pain. Good families that serve the Lord, godly people, they were both from priestly families, you know, good preacher's kids. That's <laughs> but in a time when having kids was everything, they had no children, no hope. And now they were old. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Zechariah wins the lottery. <laughs> Literally, they cast lots. And he has the honor of offering the incense in the temple. Only one priest each year gets to do this. There are thousands of priests in Jerusalem. And Zechariah is chosen. I mean, that's got to be some kind of sign, right? It would have caused the people to have great respect for Zechariah. God chose him to offer our prayers to God in the incense. I mean, big deal. And it must have encouraged Zechariah. Did it encourage Elizabeth? The incense in this ceremony represented the prayers of the people of Israel. Every prayer of every one of God's people was symbolized by that incense offered in the center of the temple. Elizabeth's prayers. Zachariah's prayers. For what did they pray? Could they have maybe made one more request for a child? For sure, Zachariah did. Okay, get this picture in your mind. He was all alone in this room in the center of the temple. In the quiet of the holiest place in Israel. Surely he, he did his duty and offered the prayers of the people. But he also breathed another prayer. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the power and the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. All these years of prayers will finally be answered, far beyond his wildest dreams in the spirit and power of Elijah, perhaps Israel's greatest prophet. He faced down the prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven. He raised the dead. And not just that, he never died. <laughs> Elijah never died. He was brought straight to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow, what a son you got coming your way, Zechariah. 
your deepest prayer, your years of pleading will be answered and more, way more. What must he have thought? What does he say? And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> what? Zachariah, have you lost your mind? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, you dolt! Okay, Gabriel didn't say you dolt. But come on! He is one of only two named angels in the Bible. Zachariah knew. The Bible says Gabriel talked with Daniel the only one to rival Solomon wisdom, 500 years earlier. Hello? <laughs> Let's think about this, Big Z. You're in a room that has one entrance. It's behind you. The altar is in front of you, and suddenly a messenger from God is standing right there next to the altar. This is a miracle, okay? <laughs> and you're going to ask him, how is it possible? Adult. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Gabriel doesn't fool around. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Zach! You really messed this up, I'm telling you. You should have believed, buddy. And so God puts another sign in place to herald the special man Zechariah will father, this last prophet of Israel, this one that will usher in the Messiah, a sign for Israel, but also for Zechariah, for Elizabeth. Okay, let's get our mind back to Zechariah's predicament. Thousands and thousands of people are standing outside. Thousands. Understand, this is, this is a very programmed service, very liturgical. Think like Roman Catholic, only more. <laughs> Normally it takes just a few minutes to offer the incense and the prayers then the priest is supposed to come out and he just recites this great public prayer with all the people. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. First, this strange delay. What's, what's this guy doing in there? Then Zechariah comes out Silent. How is he going to recite that big public prayer with the people when he can't talk? This, this is a disaster. Instead of being a great day for Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's an embarrassment, a failure. Well, or is it? Zachariah may have looked foolish, but the people knew that he'd seen some kind of vision. They were being prepared for the ministry of John. They might have thought him, might have thought Zachariah foolish then, but when the news of John's birth got out, they'd listen. How about Zachariah? 
Did he believe now? And Elizabeth, you can bet she was there with her husband when he messed up the ceremony. She was probably standing down with all their friends. <laughs> and he comes out waving his arms like a fool, you know. <sighs> a fool who can't talk. He can't speak the prayer he's supposed to pronounce. But life goes on. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Life goes on, but it didn't go on the same for Zachariah and Elizabeth. He must have written her a note, I guess, explaining everything. And I think they believed. Look at what Elizabeth did. She hid herself for five months after she discovered she was pregnant. That shows a lot of self-control. Most women in her situation, would they not have broadcast the news to everybody? I mean, got up on the roof and yelled, I'm pregnant! <laughs> we began to understand why she could do this when we listened to what she said. Thus the Lord has done for me. Her first thought is of God. Believing isn't about things or events. Not even getting pregnant when you're not supposed to be able to. It's about who. She wanted to deflect attention from herself and Zechariah towards the one who caused this miracle and towards the prophet he's bringing into the world. I think Elizabeth was the one with the stronger faith in this family. We can see some of this in Mary's story. Gabriel comes to Mary also, and he tells her she will bear Emmanuel. And then he says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. The sixth month. Elizabeth has been quiet about her pregnancy until now. God could trust Elizabeth to be quiet so that Mary could first hear of it, of her pregnancy, from an angel just when she really needed to hear it. <laughs> and to be an encouragement to Mary when she really needed it. Mary knew she could trust this older woman. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Consider the miracle Mary had to accept. Elizabeth could say her husband and she were pregnant. Mary has to say, no man has touched me and God has made me pregnant. Ah, uh, if Elizabeth's miracle required great faith, how much more Mary's? Mary needed to talk to somebody. Someone who would believe her. <laughs> and God, through Gabriel, let her know that Elizabeth was the one. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now that is an encouragement. 
Elizabeth is miraculously pregnant, she could have been soaking in the wondrous attention of all the women around her, but instead she focuses on the one who is behind these miraculous pregnancies and on Mary. Mary's pregnancy required deep and sober thought and lots and lots of prayer. Elizabeth had faith in God and put, put him above all else, herself, her husband, even her own son. Elizabeth gave herself away to encourage Mary. For 30 or 40 or maybe 50 years, Elizabeth had waited to become pregnant. And yet she set her excitement aside to serve God by serving Mary. Can we give ourselves away? It takes great faith to give yourself away. What if you don't get yourself back? What if you serve everybody around you and no one serves you? What if you love everyone around you and no one ever loves you back? Well, Elizabeth had great faith and it seems easily gave herself away. She illustrates a great truth for us. Each person of the Trinity gives themselves away to the others. The Father gives Himself away to the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit gives Himself away to the Father and the Son. The Son gives Himself away to the Spirit and the Father. MacLeod, in his book, The Person of the Christ, says it seems like each person of the Trinity competes to serve the others, to bring glory to the others. But then God has an advantage. Each person in the Trinity knows they will get love back and care back from the other two. <laughs> we don't know when we love and care for others if we will ever see any love and care in return. We may never get it back. Elizabeth did receive love back from Mary and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So three months plus the six months that she was already pregnant, right? So in other words, until John was born. She stayed with her all the time that Elizabeth needed her. Mary loved Elizabeth back, but, but what if that never happens for us? The Son has always given Himself away to the Father and the Spirit. But when He took on human form, He gave Himself away in another way. For even the Son of Man, He said, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How could he do this? Remember, he knows he will give his life. That's why he became the Son of Man, just like us. The very people for whom he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom will not serve him in return. They will not love him in return. In fact, they will kill him. And he knew it. And yet he came and served. How does faith work that he can be so confident that he will be okay? Let's go back and learn from Elizabeth. She had great faith in God. She also had faith in Zechariah. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. 
And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he should be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. Her husband couldn't give the name at the proper time in the ceremony. He was still mute. She had to do it. Which means she had to break tradition and oppose everyone there, including the priest that was doing the ceremony. Okay? But she knew she wasn't alone. I mean, yes, she knew God was with her. But I'm talking about Zechariah. Remember, he's the one to whom Gabriel gave the news, including the name that they were to use. So Elizabeth and Zechariah had to have communicated for her to know to call her son John. In other words, they are in this together. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them were laid them up in their hearts saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Did you catch a few alls in there in that little statement? Luke wanted his hearers to know that everybody heard about this. God is faithful. And, well, that's the point. Elizabeth knew she could trust Zachariah so she could put her faith in him. Yes, the man made a fool of himself, but and he was now mute. It's hard to make a living as a priest when you're mute, I don't know. But years of experience had shown her that he would come through. Imagine when he first told her that they were going to have a son to be named John, that God had sent not just any angel, but Gabriel himself to tell them. What must she have thought? Oh, I'm old. I'm past childbearing years. My husband has lost his mind. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But there was nothing in the facts that said... This will happen. Then again, Elizabeth wasn't thinking about the facts. Faith isn't about facts. It's about who. Elizabeth wasn't thinking about the facts. She was thinking about God. She had learned who God is. Everybody wants to have great faith so that they can move mountains, as Paul said. But that's not what faith is about. It's not about doing things. I mean, do you really think that if a person prayed and a mountain rose up and fell into the sea, that it would be that human doing it? No. It's no good to have faith in actions or circumstances or any material thing. It's about who. Elizabeth knew she would become pregnant and have a son to be named John because she knew who said she would. And I'm not talking about her husband. <laughs> Thus the Lord has done for me. Do we trust the Lord? What is the thing in our lives we want changed? Zachariah and Elizabeth wanted a son. But God didn't give them one. For decades, 
they prayed. Decades. Zechariah faltered a little there in the temple. But God was faithful and he kind of whacked him up the side of the head to clear the cobwebs a bit. Remember who's making this promise, Zach? (laughs) Don't let the facts overrun your faith in the Lord. Faith in God. The NLT gives a an interesting translation of that famous verse. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Most of us here grew up with a translation something like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is it that you would like to have confidence will happen. What do we want? What would we like to see? Something financial? Something relational? Some medical problem solved? Ultimately, we would like to have confidence that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, everybody, they put their trust in God. That's what we want. Our friends, we want that for them. We want everyone we love to be with us in heaven. Do we trust God? Is our faith in God? Elizabeth gave credit to God, thus the Lord has done for me. Mary put her life in God's hands. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever. Okay, God. Wow. But let's make it a little tougher. Do you remember that description of Elizabeth and Zechariah and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord? Listen to this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Wow. What a description. The name Satan means accuser. And he says, Job is only good because he's rich. And he was. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. So this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He was rich. And we are also told in another scripture, he prayed for his sons and daughters every day. But then in one day, the Sabians stole his oxen and donkeys and killed every servant watching them but one. Fire came down from heaven and burned up all the sheep and killed every servant but the one who told Job about it. Another came to say that the Chaldeans had made a raid on the camels, took them all and killed all the other servants. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Everything Job owned was destroyed or stolen. Every one of his children killed What would we say in the face of such tremendous calamities? 
And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. How do you trust God when there is nothing to see to confirm your trust? For Job, it gets worse. Added to all the bad that had happened to Job was a terrible disease that caused oozing boils all over his body. And then three friends who tell him he must be a horrible sinner or none of this would have happened to him. See what he says now, Satan accuses. And what does Job say? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Faith isn't about circumstances or things. It's about who. It's about placing our trust, hoping in God. That's why the message of Jesus Christ is called the faith. In the end, Job got double of all he had, possessions, and seven more sons and three more daughters. But he believed before everything was restored to him. What if, though, we never get what we pray for in this life? Never. What happens then? Remember that great hall of fame of faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews? All the great people who believed and all the amazing things that God did for them? You remember how it ends? Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Can we, like them, Believe when there is no answer. When what we desire, we never get. God, where are you? Why would we want to believe? Why? For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. It is wonderful when God answered our prayers here, the things he does for us. It's just amazing. But it's not about things. It's about who. It's about trusting that God will ultimately care for us far beyond our desires. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You know, it's wonderful when things go well on this earth. 
But it's not about this earth. And it's not about the things on this earth. It's about who? It's about what God will do for us and with us for all eternity. Will we be adult and say, how can this be? (laughs) Or will we say, thus the Lord has done for me. I am the servant of the Lord. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Father, we read about Job and we, wow, we'd like to have that kind of faith, that absolute faith in you, knowing no matter what, even if we die, we can still hope in you. But then we remember that when Job said that, everything he owned was gone. All his children were dead His wife had rejected him. His friends were calling him a horrible person, telling him he was abusive and and adulterous. And he's got a horrible disease. With all that, he was still able to say, allow us to have a hope in you, Lord, that's so strong that it overwhelms our circumstances. We know you are going to do some great things in this life. With us, for us, around us. But even if we don't see them, we will still hope in you. Our faith will be in you. We know that you sent your son to die for us. That this world is not the end. There's one to come that puts this world to shame. It will be a glorious time. Help us mostly to remember that living hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.